Choose life, choose a sport, choose a drop zone, choose a start time, choose a fucking big jump plane, choose turbine engines, speed, unlimited altitude, and endless horizons. Choose height, no low turns, and travel insurance. Choose jump tickets, choose tiny action cameras, choose your mates, choose a rig and matching helmet, choose swoop shorts and a range of fucking fabrics, choose 120 vertical speed and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch, watching debriefs, spirit-saving slow-mos, smashing beers after last load. Choose standing on the podium at the end of it all. Choose a win you'll love every time. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you fly NZ Aerosports? Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void and has become my my new thing to just dive straight on in, no preamble. So tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? Hey, I'm fucking Timmy. Um, <laughs> I'm a guy from Denmark and I've been jumping full-time for about four years and now I've gone back to the regular life with just finished a study and now I'm actually unemployed, trying to look for work. Um, government support, COVID, having fun. Fucking hell. That's a whole, we got a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, it's a, quite a long, weird story, I guess. Yeah, well, we're, that's exactly what we're going to get into. Long, weird stories are good. So, jumper sure. from Denmark, in Denmark, unemployed, COVID bullshit, um, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> what what type hmm. of work, before we get too deep into the jumping and all that, what kind of work is it you do and what is it you're looking for? So I did a degree in construction management. Uh, actually, it's more like uh, in between an architect and an engineer. So it's a Danish thing, I guess. Okay. And it bas- it's basically super broad. So you don't learn anything specific. So you just learn a lot about, a, a little bit about uh, everything, you know? Okay. So it's you can get hired at an architect firm or an engineer firm, and you can get out at the field and... Now is this That's is this field right now yeah. kind of um, taking a dip because of COVID? I would imagine there's not a lot going on. Mm, it doesn't seem like it has affected the business a lot. Um, I did have a job maybe two or three months before I got fired, but that wasn't because of COVID. We just finished two or three projects and then we were a bit overstaffed. Huh? And I was the new guy. Yeah. Well, fair enough. That shit does happen. Yeah. Well, sucks, but now it it's it's getting into winter time there now, so I'm guessing there's not a whole lot of jumping going on either. No, I mean, especially now because now the Danish government just shut down the country again, more or less. I mean, stores open, but all the clubs pretty much just followed, so we're not jumping at all. Oof. Um, we 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 do jump in winter sometimes. Uh, the big drum zones are shutting down for a bit, um, but the small clubs are running. But it's fucking cold, man, in the winters. It <laughs> It's 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 not fun, man. I mean, I've I've been jumping for ten years now, and I'm I, I I'm not keen on going out in the freezing cold air. And 
Sure, you sure. Know, you can't feel your fingers when you get down, and it's just it's just not fun, man. Dude, I'm not I've, Russian. I've fucking done it, man. <laughs> I've uh, shooting video in Las Vegas, which still to this day are the coldest skydives I ever made, are in the high desert in winter. And I'll never forget oh. the first time I reached back to my pilot chute and couldn't feel my fingers to make sure that they were around the handle. That's a very disconcerting oh. feeling. It is. And you're kind of just reaching for the handle and you can't feel your fingers. And you're like, yeah, I think, I think I got something, but I'm not right? sure. I'm just trying to pull and throw. Yeah. I'm just Shout gonna... out to the Russians. Right. Insane. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The, the cold weather stuff, I mean, I can handle a few jumps here and there, but mm, for all the time, fuck that. No way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I have to tell you, man, um, the, the swoop freestyle thing in Copenhagen was probably the coldest I've ever done, though. Because I... it's not, it's not, the the snow and the the freezing cold air because that's dry air. Mm. But once you get in a helicopter with no door open or anything, it's just <laughs> you're wet and it's about zero degrees Celsius. I'm not sure about what that is in Fahrenheit. Fucking cold. About thirty two degrees. It's 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 freezing your bones, man. It's fucking insane. Yeah, has to be. Has to be. Now, before we start talking about Copenhagen, let's talk about how you got started in skydiving. I mean, I don't know. I know nothing about yep. skydiving in Denmark. So is it super popular? Was it super popular? You know, how, how did that mm. first jump happen? I think uh, when I started, that was uh, 2010, September. And I think it's basically like in the States with the small Cessna drop zones. Mm. Uh, we did get drops on Denmark in 2015 with a caravan uh, but before that it was just only 182s and 172s sure uh most state line there's a couple of aff instructors but it's it's a small used to be a small place and it's getting there but i started doing static line and then got my danish license um was it something you not, always wanted to do or it was just a, a drunk night out or one of those things that just... No, man. I have this really boring story about uh, my parents' house is probably two or three kilometers from the airfield. So I've been able to watch them jump since I was, I don't know, zero years old. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and it was, it was just one day I thought to myself that I'd, it would be fun to try. And then I turned 18 and, you know, grown up, 18 years old. Had to do something sure. fun and deliberating. Sure. Know. Well, yeah, I and, mean, uh, I don't know. I don't think yeah, that's nothing. boring because most of people that I know, the standard story that I always used to hear was people get hammered and they get dared and it's or it's <laughs> something that they always thought of. But to just kind of have it there all the time, that's, that's kind of how I got started in flying airplanes because I lived close to an airport and always saw the airplanes coming in low or driving past the yeah. airport as they were coming. So it just kind of is always there. But that's that's – it's still not a boring normal story. That's still pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty. I mean, I actually have this feeling of calmness and the feeling of summer when I hear the the sound of an airplane, especially mm. with the 182s, because they, they usually flew every time it was summer and I was playing out in the garden, right? Um, so that's kind of a comforting sound just straight to my bones it's like that's a nice sound i really i really like that which is funny right because i mean skydivers um, the sounds of airplanes can be calming the smell of jet fuel how fucking weird is that Mm, smell (laughs) of jet fuel right (laughs) it's a it's a um, all the senses when you when you really love something it's just all the senses are getting sure when it it becomes so familiar so familiar it's uh uh, it just signals all those all those synapses start firing and you get all happy and comfortable and shit 
Oh, yeah. So you learned in Denmark oh, yeah. doing static line, you said. Yeah. And then um, basically did some boring story jumping for, I don't know, three years. Uh, I did some formation skydiving. Um, and then not much else. I started getting into swooping a little bit because um, my the instructor who dispatched, uh, dispatched me from my first jump, he was a swooper. Mm. Probably the only one that drops on at the time. <laughs> And I just remember seeing him. I'm like, holy fuck, that guy's going to die. And he did a 6.30 just atop of us. And I looked up and just remember thinking that he was going to fucking die. Right. No, no doubt. Right. And then flew past us, fucking landed. And he actually did stand up. So I'm a woofo. And I just watched the guy, thought he was going to die. And then he stood it up <laughs> after swooping maybe 100 meters on his velo back then. Right. I'm like, yeah. That's what I'm gonna fucking do. That's cool. <laughs> I want to do that. That's uh, and, uh, I mean, that's pretty. Uh, I, I remember the first time I saw a hardcore swooper as well, and it wasn't the visuals that caught me off guard. It was the sound. I think it, for me, it was mixed between that and visuals as well, and it, and it looked fucking insane, and it sounded insane, and I mean, you just get this man crush when you see the guy swooping like that, <laughs> right? Right, it's true. No, you totally do. Yeah. I uh, um, I, I remember hearing it, and although watching it was really cool, it, it I mean, especially when it was the bigger, slower canopies, um, they just seemed kind of chill. Oh, yeah. But you, the first time I saw a high performance canopy, it looked like it was flying like an airplane, the way it was moving. But that sound sounded like a fucking jet. You know, the first time oh, I yeah, heard those man. lines slicing through the air, and that I guess that got to the pilot side of me. I'm like, oh my god, what the hell's going on? There? <laughs> I had that feeling. The f- I don't, I don't think I noticed that a lot on the velos, but as soon as I saw a peregrine for the first time in my life, mm. you know, that sound is getting a little bit more sharp. Right. It just sounds insane. Like, like actually, an airplane coming, not no more like a jet. Yeah, for really sure. Really high pitch, fucking whistle. Now, so That's, you that was that was saying for me to hear, but for sure. Yeah. Now, so you knew pretty pretty early on, really, that you wanted to get into swooping. But that's a, I mean, especially if you're in a place where um, there was only one swooper at the time. Um, how did you decide and do it safely? Because obviously, you're still sitting here talking to me. So you did something right if you got into swooping. I wasn't doing it safely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> more or less. I mean, the guy who did the swooping, he did uh, some coaching every Wednesday, every second Wednesday. I can't remember. We call it Swoop Club. And then it was basically just filming landings and then talk about the landings and safety afterwards with the beer. Mm. Um, but, man, I was 18, 19 back then. You know, you don't have a rational sense of... <laughs> what's dangerous right i guess um so he had to tell me off a couple of times um um i actually never did anything dangerous or stupid i i i pushed the limits but i never really got close to getting hurt i mean i bruised my big toe once but that was in the student <laughs> canopy but that's all the injuries i ever had Hey, believe me, you're doing good. I made it a long, long time before I injured myself, and I actually fucked myself up when I had, fuck, close to 10,000 jumps, but I hadn't jumped in like six months, and I I went and swooped my canopy like I'd been on it the week before, but I hadn't jumped for six months. 
Um, oh, yeah. So that was just my own idiocy. I just lost the feel of the canopy and uh, uh, stayed on the rears too long and stalled it out because I'm an idiot. Oh. Yeah. When you're not being current, right? That's it's fucking it. dangerous. Dude, the current stuff. You don't stuff. realize it. No, no, it's you don't think insane. anything of it. You know, I mean, uh, uh, I was at that point where you're kind of mentally thinking, all right, I've got a fuckload of jumps now. And, and uh, um, I, you know, I obviously I've seen everything that there is to see at this point, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. no, you haven't. You haven't felt it yourself. Right. And there's always something. I mean, it's so, it's such a, it's such a weird thing, the uncurrency, because you can't really, you can't really feel it, right? It's just, I mean, I was doing after the whole COVID thing, we, we did get to do the nationals here in Denmark, mm. and on the training, I I haven't jumped for nine months or something, and after training jump three or four or something, I I didn't hit the gates. I'm like, what the fuck happened? And then I went inside and looked at the video. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, what the fuck happened? Right. And then after reviewing it, maybe five times or something, I'm looking at the windsock and it's crosswind. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you fucking idiot. You, that's so, that's so basic, right? And you don't, I mean, I didn't realize. I'm like, holy shit, I'm on current. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly it creeps up too. And I mean, it's funny because we talked about this before the podcast, uh, for me on the podcast, it's been great because I've been able to get all kinds of interviews with all kinds of people because everybody's on the fucking ground. Um, but <laughs> yeah. it's this is the most uncurrent. Pretty much every jumper I've talked to this year has been the most uncurrent that they've ever been since they started jumping. Mm. I mean, it's a hey, actually. I have to ask you. Yeah, is you did you jump in Las Vegas like always, or did you go around in, in I the states? I started in Las Vegas. Uh, that was my my home drop zone was skydive Las Vegas. I worked for every DZ that was in Las Vegas um, up until okay. the end of two thousand and three, and then I went to skydive Cross Keys. Uh, so I okay, was so. Go ahead, go ahead. Basically, what I'm trying to ask you is like, how many jumps is being on current if you're in the states? Um, how to take a hundred jumps a year? Is that too, too little? Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, I was jumping. Well, I suppose mine was different though. I was never really a fun jumper. I started working in the sport almost right away, so I was doing, I don't know, six to eight hundred jumps a year from Jump Street from right from the beginning. Uh, yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I I never even came close to uncurrent when I was a working skydiver. Uh, it wasn't until I started flying instead of jumping that I started flirting with getting uncurrent. Yeah. Okay. But you know so something that's struck me because I think that's basically that's basically Denmark. If if you do I don't know 100 jumps for one season or something, it's it's quite good. Wow. Well, um, now I'm guessing though to get to where you got, uh, and again we'll lead into it because you ended up competing in Copenhagen and stuff. To get to that level, obviously you're not just doing 100 jumps a year in Denmark. You clearly had to do some traveling. Uh, I did. Yeah, yeah. we're just good at segueing. Um, <laughs> so I went to New Zealand in 2013 for packing tandems. Okay. I just asked around all the instructors I knew, like, how do you get good? Sure. And they say you have to jump a lot. And to jump a lot, you have to go away from, you know, Denmark. Sure. Much. Um, so I got contacted by a guy called Kimbo. He 
was the guy who founded Drops on Denmark later on. Mm. Uh, but he just heard a rumor back from one of his friends or something that I was looking for a job and young, young stud, <laughs> just really energized. And then um, I think two hours later from the CEO told Kimbo that they needed a packer. And then until I heard it, I think it took maybe two hours. And then one hour later they had my CV and then Wendy Smith, yeah, which is a fucking legend. Yeah. She was the CEO at Scatter Wanacast back then. And then, um, she contacted me and was like, "Yeah, we can, we can use you for sure. Um, can you get a visa? When can you come?" <laughs> and I just fell off my chair and started working on the working holiday visa. Right. And that's went off. I tell you what, man, that is one of my favorite things about skydivers and skydiving. Um, I think it was it would have, it would have been 2010. By then, I'd been flying for t- full time for quite some time, but winter was rolling around, and I was flying for Chicagoland skydiving. So as soon as winter hits there, uh, you're either off with the plane if it's got a gig, or you're just out of work until the spring. Um, and yeah. a buddy of mine was the manager uh, seasonally for a drop zone called Ballistic Blondes, which is in Paihia in the Bay of Islands in New Zealand. And literally sitting down at the bonfire, I'm like, hey, uh, I don't suppose you guys are looking for anybody in New Zealand. And he's like, well, not really, but why? Who? I'm like, me. He's all, yeah, you got a slot. You want it? Sure. No problem. And that was literally <laughs> it. <laughs> Easiest job application. Yeah. Literally, it was just a, yeah, sure, absolutely, no problem. And then, you know, off to New Zealand for fucking six months, you know, chucking drugs and, yeah, exactly. and landed on the beach and having an amazing time. But it's all just because you, you know people. And skydiving is such yeah, a small sure. – and people like Wendy are just awesome anyway. Oh, for sure. She's a fucking legend and she's, she's quite humble and uh, she can be pretty strict but sure. also a bit of a cowboy. Sure. Well, the first time that I met her actually face-to-face was last year at Skydive Everest. And I mean, oh yeah, true. You know, that's her show right there. And to, I, I was lucky enough to just sit back and watch that whole thing go. And it's pretty fucking epic. So you kind of have to be a little bit of a, a a cowboy and strict all at the same time. So she's perfect for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, I remember when I came down to our office. I've been watching the. Have you seen the tandem sky surf video or photo? I have. Yeah, so that board was in her office. I'm like, is that is that the board? Is that it? I'm like, yeah, it is. Oh, that's so cool! Right? I went over to touch it and stuff. It's yeah, it's it was fucking awesome. It's again, that's another thing I love about skydiving is you'll find that the people that you're working with on a daily basis could also potentially be the heroes that you were looking up to when you were getting started, uh, which has been the case with me many, many times. And it's cool because skydiving is still such a young sport that the guy you thought was, you know, the most amazing ever is now the one buying you a beer and shooting the shit with you. And it's so cool. Exactly. Yeah. You can't find that anywhere else. No. What other sport is like that? I guess. I, I don't know. I, I can't think I don't of any. Know of any? No. No, I really can't. Oh. Um, so you you go out to Kiwi Land. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. You go out to Kiwi Kiwi Land so and I start to, packing. I went to Kiwi Land. I, I bought a Subaru Legacy and nice. um, lived with Kimbo for for a while. Um, and just packed my ass off, and we had a break about noon so if i was lucky like the perfect day would be first jump in the morning last jump before break first jump after break 
and then last jump of the day. Nice. And then I could just, you know, jump on the load and then if I was fast enough with packing, then I could make it. So that was a good motivating factor for learning how to pack fast. Sure. And then I just packed my ass off and jumped a lot. And I think I had 300, 350 jumps when mm. I got there. Okay. And then I asked the guys like, hey, can I, um, do you mind if I shoot video of your tandem video? Right. Uh, so I just jumped with the guys in, in, in with that pair and just did outside of the outside video. Sure. Um, and they just gave me tips for doing better. And then I was just sitting there for hours after work and analyzing what I did and what could be better and just writing notes and all that shit. And nice. then I took my 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 car and drove back and <laughs> at one point I had I had saved up enough money because I'm cheap as fuck man I'm I haven't bought normal clothes for I don't know seven eight years nice. it's always been underwear for Christmas and sure you know stuff like that I, I actually just uh, finished my last pair of jeans now all of them have pretty much holes in the, in the crutch right from bicycling and stuff like that sure They're just fucked so I saved a lot of money and then I bought a um, a Speedfly, a Speedwing. Okay. Um, then I could combine, you know, getting up early in the morning and then hiking out in the mountains, go for a flight and then go to work. Hopefully get a job. Nice. Get, get a jump or two. So you really and took to the nylon part of the sport right away. Bro, I didn't give a fuck about traveling. I just wanted to get better. <laughs> nice. Nice. Like I, I, was, I was in New Zealand... Uh, for eight months, um, I went back eventually, uh, so I was there two two times. Mm. But I haven't. I was in the Wanaka area, um, working for Skata Wanaka, and then I went to Queenstown one time to do a bunker jump and eat a, a, a burger that was on a top ten list to do mm. in New Zealand or something. But I think that's it, man. I didn't. I didn't go outside to see the country or stuff like that. And <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, they want to travel the world and stuff like that. Um, I don't, I'm not sure, but I don't think that I, I can't really feel it, you know? Right. It's, I'm, I'm good, man. Just I, go places to let you jump. <laughs> yeah, I, I got YouTube and I can go on Google Earth and watch places. <laughs> no, it's, Fair enough. It's not man. that bad. But <laughs> back then, I just wanted to get better. Sure. You know? and sure. That was the, the only reason why I got there. Now, um, I forgot uh, to ask, what as you're getting started in all this skydiving stuff, what does the family think of you jumping out of airplanes and, and then taking off across the world to pursue something that, let's face it, most people think is ridiculous? Um, I think it took a year or two for my mom to <laughs> not be afraid anymore, I guess. Sure. Um, my dad is not really the scared kind of guy cool um, and eventually both my brothers ended up doing some jumps too and nice one of them continued so i actually do have the privilege to jump with my brother once in a while nice nice so you kind of got it going in the family but for the most part yeah. the family uh, uh your parents didn't uh didn't freak out too badly i mean it sounds like your your mom was a normal mom yeah, yeah, she is She's a regular mom. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. She she didn't like the idea in the beginning, but then she saw it real life, um, and we bought her ticket on the plane so she could see her jump out and stuff like that. Oh, awesome, awesome! And 
when when she said that and talked to the pilot and, and she talked to all the instructors and stuff like that, I, I think it just calmed down a bit. And when she started to learn about the gear and all that, she was like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is quite safe. Mine was pretty uh, – uh, she was pretty low-key about it as well. Um, I think she was just happy I wasn't doing anything that was going to land me in jail. <laughs> So, um, uh, for for her and my family, the uh, um, the taking up skydiving for a living was the most normal job that I'd had in quite a long time. So they were pretty cool with it. In fact, I've now had let's see, my my dad, my mom, and my brother in law have uh, all jumped. So I've gotten a few of the family members over the years uh, to to oh, make nice. the jump. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. And mom was a badass too because uh, she had to jump out of a Cessna in uh, in Vegas, and her foot got caught on the seatbelt. They were halfway out of the plane, and they had to climb back in and do a go-around with me shooting video hanging on the strut, do a go-around, and she's got balls of steel because she's like, well, seatbelt off? Cool, let's go. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I, That's insane. I was, I, was, I was impressed, and I was, I was still super low I'm time. Too- you know, I mean, I think I probably only had – fuck 500 jumps at the time so not a lot you know um and not yeah. enough to know just i wasn't a tandem instructor back then either so and not enough to know just how sketchy that shit was yeah yeah for sure <laughs> yeah holy shit yeah man interesting so now yeah so please go go ahead you got the speed wing so i'm i'm guessing this is where you started really dialing in your your time under canopy yeah this is this is um well, it, it, I just needed to get past the surviving part, I guess. Um, <laughs> right. Fortunately, there was a Danish dude that I got to know before I, I went to New Zealand. And he 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 had been speed flying for a lot of years. And he was a freaking badass. Mm. And um, him and I had some Skype calls where he just told me basic stuff about how not to die. <laughs> and... Bro, I remember one time me it was me and a, one of my German colleague Tom and a Brazilian guy Elenka. We went up to a place none of us have ever ground launched before, mm. and it was a bit of like the slope was fucking steep and rocky, and it was downwind, and there was barbed wire fences in the in the bottom and trees and shit like that, and we just stood at the you know the hill like yeah. We could probably take off here. <laughs> and thinking back of that, man, it's just if we took off back then, I, I actually can't remember why we didn't, but we <laughs> we would have been dead, man. Sure. Um. So basically, we had some calls with with that guy, and I just gave all the information. I passed it on to my two friends, and then we found a small little grassy hill with a lot of cows on it. Uh, just steep enough to take off and then to fly for five seconds and then land. <laughs> so I think we did maybe 50 ground launches there, and then we went up for the for the real deal. Sure. And then we just, I mean, started getting better and started doing some soaring and stuff like that. I remember which when, is, when they, by the way, the wind tunnel for fucking canopy flying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, I remember when they first started doing a lot of ground launching and guys were using regular, you know, skydiving canopies. Um, Stilettos and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, I have multiple friends that thoroughly fucked themselves up ground launching. Like, I mean, bad, twisted and broken bones all over the place. So, yeah, I think starting out on the soft round hill with the cows sounds like a pretty goddamn good idea to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a good decision for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. 
So now uh, you, you see all the swooping, you're doing the ground launching and all this stuff, but when does it click that you want to compete? Um, second season, I meet a guy called Marius, South African guy. Um, well, actually, it clicked in Denmark when I was, I was I actually went to the Nationals on my Sabre 2 135 doing turns 270s. They were so low that even the judges and people who didn't know what's going on were cringing, you know. <laughs> Dude. Uh, and I just went over like, yeah, I got it. It wasn't low. I had like, you know, a little bit more step out in the end. It was sure. fine. Oh. And and that... I think I just wanted to get good after that and pursue it really. But um, Marius came in season, season two in New Zealand. Okay. And I just told him one day like, dude, can you... Can you help me? Because he had been competing and knew a bit about the rules and stuff. So mm. like, yeah, for sure, man. Um, let's go to the, the 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 builders market or what is it called? Like the construction market or yeah, whatever. Mm. We bought some pool noodles and some wooden sticks and made a a gate out in the landing field. Uh, and then every landing was just practice and hitting the gates, pretty much. Sure. And I had a day off on Tuesday, so he he organized that he could get a day off on Tuesdays as well. And then we just, yeah, we did, we went out to the drop zone and he coached me. Nice, nice. Now you're still packing at this point. So you're, what, packing six days a week and swooping one? Yeah, pretty much. But the second season, I got invited back to do tenant videos. Nice, nice. And I was, I was the only guy who wasn't a tenant instructor. I was just on every second load. Um, nice which was fucking perfect because then i could you know chill a bit with the packing and the video editing i would just get the sd cards into the guy video editing and man i could just watch the video and see what i could do different and then go up again and try hit the gates one more (laughs) time so basically every day working was training sure um well and wanaka was pretty busy wasn't it yeah, I think we did. On normal days, we probably did 50 to 80 tandems, maybe. And then peak season was probably 80 to 120 tandems a day. Yeah, man. That's proper. That's that's uh, yeah. that's a, a good chunk of jumps. Yeah, for sure. I think we were about 20 instructors, and we, we were flying a pack um, 750 oh, XL. Still my favorite single-engine plane. It's a, it's a good plane, man. For tandems, um, it's the best. Yeah, I, I never got to do tandems, so I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair I'm enough. not sure if I ever want to, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I Is fought, it worth it? Yeah, you know, I fought getting my tandem rating tooth and nail. I did not want to be a tandem instructor because, like you, I was a camera flyer first, and I watched all the reasons why I should never get my tandem rating. You just see, yeah. you know, all the stupid shit that happens and the uncontrolled exits and the nasty drogue throws and the fucked up students. And you see them all. And that two or three that are really good, never offset how really nasty they are. But I kind of got forced into it. It was a get your tandem rating or <laughs> get out. <laughs> so I got yeah. it. And it, all these years later, if you ask me my favorite way to skydive, it's taking tandems. It's weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's cool. Dude, it's a, it's a blast. You get to gel with your student in a way that you kind of don't in any other way. I mean, the camera flyer has fun with the student, but um, there's not that quite connection. And uh, you get to oh, learn sure. how to study and read people and, and try and figure out what's going to make this person the most comfortable. And um, and then you, you get, get to feel all the nervous. Yeah, like, man. Tricks. Yeah, and you get to feed off of it, you know. I mean, if you could bottle the yeah. energy of the and average tandem student and sell it on the corner, it'd sell better than fucking cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> it really yeah, would. All man. the guys who is like, "Oh, you have the best job in the world." Like, yes, that drug is worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, if you think about it, how many times over your years in skydiving have you heard tandem students tell their instructor they've got the best job in the world? And for every time that I heard that, either as a camera flyer or as a tandem instructor, I had to go, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. <laughs> I do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, sure. it's fucking cool. So you're, you're shooting video, you're practicing the swooping and all that stuff. When does that first competition roll around? Where, where were you? I gets winter in New Zealand, I go back to Denmark and I started a drop zone that Kimbo is, um, has founded um, a drop zone in Denmark, which is at that time the only drop zone with a caravan. Mm. Um, and it was three guys, um, Kim and then Philip and Rasmus. And Rasmus is a builder all. Uh, he's he's like Bob the Builder. He, can, he, he just builds stuff. Mm. Um, so he... He smashes down a pond in the in the landing field in about a week or something. I can't remember. It was fucking quick. And, and then we had a pond. And then, you know, we just started training at that drop zone. I lived in a caravan there for two years. And I became an AFF instructor and started jumping there full time. Did nice. Did some videos and stuff like that. And then I went to the Nationals um, after probably downsized four times that season or something i did do a thousand jumps in that season that's that was that was quite good that's a proper um, busy season oh for sure man um it was insane so i got i got to my Camvilo 79 and then i went to the danish nationals and this the, the year before that i was jumping my saber 2 135 <laughs> so that's that's quite of a progression in one year i guess <laughs> yeah and uh man i I did I did quite good. I was still I haven't done any practice on gates with that uh, 79 wing. Um so I I think I scored maybe 3 or 4 rounds or something. Pretty decent, but I did a super good speed round which took me 5 years to beat or something. Wow. I think it was 2 2.65 or 2.7 or something. That's, uh, that, I mean, especially considering you weren't really training that hard with that guy. I mean, that's pretty fucking impressive that it took you that long to get back to it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was dirty low, bro. It was, <laughs> it was in the corner at that point, but it was fucking fast. That's, that's the thing about speed. It's just, just go low and dirty, man. Pull it out <laughs> on rears if you can. And then, you know. Well, if uh, if you were scaring the shit out of people on a Saber Two One Thirty Five, then dirty and low is probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I still, to this day, yeah, now it looks so fucking scary. Oh, dude, it's sketchy as fuck, man. I can't. Um, I, I can. 
I can watch the modern canopies, the um, the um, the hardcore canopies now land all day long because you have to have that recovery arc start so fucking high. But yeah. if you put somebody on a stiletto and do what was normal <sighs> when I was learning how, I can't fucking watch, man. I'm terrified. I shit my pants every time. I'm like, no, no, I don't need to see this. Yeah. yeah. I think I have a video laying around uh, where I record Nick Batch recording one of his students on a stiletto 150. <laughs> right. And, and 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 Nick is just yelling, he's going to die. He's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's sad, too, because, I mean, that used to just be fucking normal. And even worse yeah. was back in the day when um, they were flying stilettos, but nobody was using rear risers. It was all fucking toggle whipping hook turns. Oh, so yeah. you watch these guys pendulumed out and their bodies are higher than their canopy and they're 250 feet off the ground. <laughs> you know, it's fucking ridiculous. Not even. Yeah. It's not ridiculous. even too <laughs> so scary. Yeah. But I think the whole combination of the modern turn knowledge and then the stiletto just fucked it up, right? Because right. back then you just had to do a 180 toggle turn and then you're good on the stiletto. Yeah. But if you do in front rise at 270, you have too much speed and fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, recovery arc is too short. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love my stiletto back when I flew it, but I mean, as soon as you step up to the the modern high-performance canopies, it's night and day. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you you uh, you do your first competition, and you did okay, you said, uh, especially if you're, you're transitioned down in one year from a 135 to a 79, um, and yeah. you score in three or four rounds, but you'd never even practiced on gates uh, with that canopy. That's pretty fucking good. That is pretty good. I mean, I did. I don't know, man. I think the more you practice in a big canopy, you can really transition that shit down to a smaller canopy for sure. I mean, I, I, I just did so many, you know, swoops going for the gates on my ninety conventional velo. Sure. And it's still a canopy. It's just a little bit steeper. The seventy nine. It's mm. just the same, I guess. Yeah, but, I mean, as long as you take your time and you you do it uh, in an intelligent progression, yeah, absolutely. I personally, oh, sure. my downsizing progression was super slow, so I, um, uh, you know, I I really really took my time. The only reason that I started getting smaller canopies is because I was sick of trying to beat the tandems to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, gotcha. Because yeah. I was shooting tandem videos almost right out of the gate. Uh, but when you're shooting a tandem video on a fucking PD-190, you're not going much faster than the tandem. Uh, so yeah. I started flying smaller parachutes just so I had time to breathe and get the landing video. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, uh, the opposite side, that's actually one of the times that I felt like a fucking superhero. That's why you, you get at the spot of the tandem that is just above the drop zone. Right. Then you open a little bit lower. And you just start turning until you land, right? Mm. And then you trash flake your parachute and just quickly pack it. And then you only have to close the container at the time that the tandem is landing. <laughs> and then and then you can go inside and watch your video and see what's what's up. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's a, awesome. <laughs> that's that's a little bit more than I ever did for sure. 
We were we were required uh, where I started uh, uh, at Scott of Las Vegas. Every camera flyer had to have three rigs uh, if you oh. if you wanted to shoot video because you would do three back to backs. Then you would shut oh, down okay. the plane and have to pack three rigs and then go back up and do three back to backs. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah, I was never very good at uh, at trying to pack in between loads or any craziness like that. <laughs> But that's 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 the good part of being a packer, I guess. You learn to pack fast. I mean, yeah, for sure. Now I can't do it anymore. I'm I'm just way too rusty and stuff like that. But oh, back well, then, young and strong and fucking in the game. Even young and strong, like, dude. That shit has got to be so hard on you if that's all you do. I mean, what was your average day? How many pack jobs would you put in a bag? Mm, it was about forty tandems, I guess. I um, mean, especially fucking tandems, dude. That's a lot of nylon. Yeah. It is. We did have uh, hooks in the ceiling, so we didn't have to have it over the shoulder when we were flaking the parachute, mm. which helps a lot. Um, but yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I I actually got myself a back injury back then, and I'm still dealing with it today. Sure. sure. Um, it's just it just wears your fucking back away, you know. And then the injury came from. You know, lifting one of the carpets that we used to push the the air off the canopies. Sure. And I was just lifting it like a, a grandma back kind of right. style, and just with my upper back, and it just cracked between my shoulder blades. And oh. Fuck, man! It's been it's been hurting since. Dude, it's the and stupidest things, right? It is, but I, I for sure it's because of uh, all the physical shit from packing. That oh, yeah. you just wear out, and then you don't have the same muscles anymore. You're tired and shit, and then you lift in weird ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, trust me. I look back at all the, the aches and pains and injuries that I put up with to this day, and I can track them to either really stupid things or really big cameras. <laughs> you know, that's it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, dude. I, I, I wish. That's the one regret that I have about when I started skydiving is I started skydiving pre-GoPro. I would have fucking killed for GoPros back then. My neck <laughs> would have killed for GoPros back then. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh dude. Going on YouTube, becoming famous, bro. <sighs> yeah, fuck all that. I'd like a neck that turns both directions. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, but that those those injuries are a bitch, right? I mean, sometimes it just it all the pain is going out in my elbows and it it like it hurts out in my chest when sure. I breathe sometimes. Sure. Well, it's I fucking mean, insane. If uh, uh, if you want me to to give you some some uh, uplifting news, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> uh, and that's from Thanks personal so experience, much. dude. It just fucking yeah. trust me. It takes a little bit longer for me to get out of bed every morning. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, I'm you, actually, yeah, you've got yeah. that to look forward to. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm I'm really comforted now. Yeah. <laughs> So when we initially started talking, uh, you had actually reached out to me and you you had recommended somebody else for the podcast, um, but I yep. started flipping through your pictures on Instagram and I'm, all I could think was, why the fuck is he recommending someone else? This guy's got some badass stuff. And then I saw, uh, you know, Copenhagen stuff and all of this. You you ended up in, you know, a relatively short career, especially considering the swooping stuff, doing a whole lot. I mean, how did you end up doing Copenhagen? Because that was, talk about, like, the, the top of the pyramid for um, a public display of skydiving. That's fucking epic stuff. Oh, man. Um, 2015. That was probably, like, I think that's the most special year in my skydiving career. Mm. And 
not because of the achievements, but probably because of the people I met. Um, sure. So basically, we built that pond uh, through freestyle, which is George and Michael, mm. um, two military guys. Uh, they founded it, and I think they started the first test event, like proof of concept, uh, in 2014. Mm where they actually did jump in Copenhagen right. on a one by one meter platform. It was just a proof of concept, sure. like uh, from the allowance and shit like that. Right. They came They came to do a qualifying at Drops from Denmark where I was working. Um, and then at some point, you know, I was starstruck, like fucking crazy starstruck. I, I couldn't, couldn't be inside myself. <laughs> right. It was just, you know, all the big dudes and fucking Cornelia Mihai, and, sure. you know, Nick Batch and fucking Kurt and Micah and, you know, fucking all the big boys. Right. And they stopped jumping at some point because it was too windy. Mm. And and I was just up on a fun jump. Um, you know, it's my home drop zone. I know it in and out. I know all, all the turbulence and all that shit. Sure. And it was down one on the pond. I just did a 6.30 and kind of, while leaning forward, dragging the pond and carving 90 right, 90 left and landed in front of the hangar and just walked in and packed. <laughs> and it was, it was just so much fun, right? That was, it, it was just perfect for the spot and all that. And, and then some of the, some of the organizers came in, Shani and, Oh, who else? Archie and fuck, I can't remember. It was Joe. Yeah. Anyways, so they came in, like, had these puppy eyes and like, oh, wait, what, what, do you like landing downwind and can you manage like turbulent conditions and like, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, for sure, why not? And they're like, oh, okay, because uh, we we just um, we just got uh, one more spot for the qualifying for for, for freestyle, and you know, I just. My, my my brain just stopped working. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? This is the this is the dream, you know. Right. Like, uh, why are you asking me? This is this is insane. And and then I cancelled the trip to Russia for doing the the AFF course and got onto the the qualifying. <laughs> um, ended up beating Kenneth and Micah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, and I mean, those guys were just a little bit unlucky. I just did some simple moves that I knew would do a score and just to be in the game. I remember Billy Shaman was helping me a lot about rules and stuff because right. I, you know, I was the kid who sat, looked outside the window in elementary school, didn't know what was going on. So I, I, I'm not diagnosed with ADHD, but I think if I was a kid today, I probably would be. I but, think we all would be. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> So rules and stuff, nah, whatever. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just um, I did some switchblade and Billy told me to just do simple stuff and I did it and it worked and I did a score and got onto it. And then we started um, the night where we went, the plan was to go to Copenhagen. So I qualified basically. Mm. And I remember George coming on and we're like, um, it's not, 
I mean, it's nice to have you on board and stuff like that, but this is really not what we have planned. Uh, we need to we need to get uh, Micah hmm. into the competition. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? I mean, I wasn't even supposed to get there, so right. it's fine. Um, but I went into the judging boat with all the other judges and helped out there, See, that's which is fine. Um, but I got to do a a demo jump inside the city uh, a couple of days before the, the competition. Probably the most fucking insane jump I've ever done back then. I bet. You know, over the big city and I I was I remember it so clearly I was swooping past the the Queen's private ship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, fuck, this is awesome. Right. And I landed on a platform and I mean, that's the kind of stuff, and this is probably one of the reasons that I enjoy so much uh, hearing about and talking to the guys that are competing and swooping. Um, More than any other discipline, it seems to be a big family, no matter who's winning or who's losing. Obviously, there's a lot of rivalry there, uh, but you see everybody cheering for everybody else, which is just fucking fantastic. You know, I mean, uh, watching um, uh, Junior, my good friend Junior, uh, competing and seeing that online and watching him just absolutely shredding and taking down the big boys and trading back and forth all over the place and then seeing another good friend Pablo Hernandez going out there and smashing it Um, but seeing everybody on the sidelines cheering for them even though if that guy that's currently under and under his wing wins they lose they're still cheering huge and so that's that's always oh, yeah. kind of been the coolest thing uh, about that particular part of skydiving. Um, not I that agree. you so know, much. not that they aren't all badass. They are, but that's the only side of the competition I see where people really, really want to see everyone else do well, which is fucking awesome. For sure. Yeah. And you see uh, competitors go up to each other and you know patting each other on the back from after a bad round or something and yeah, yeah absolutely awesome. absolutely another good friend of mine uh, Olga Namova talked about uh, uh, doing a competition where she had fucked up her ankle uh, but decided to jump Olga. anyway yeah Olga um she couldn't actually Fucking walk badass. to the aircraft so her competitors yeah. <laughs> were carrying her to the plane Oh yeah, and I have yeah, a that's insane. I have a head butting love relation, love hate relationship with Olga anyway because she does some silly things that get her hurt that I just kind of want to thump her for. Um, but yeah. she is a badass, and she really, really does push hard just purely for the love of it. But of course, oh, she is yeah, for sure dedicated. Oh yeah, but then there's the pragmatic version of me that is like you asshole, your ankle's trash. Don't fucking jump on it. What are you thinking? <laughs> You know, yeah, I think Jeannie did the same actually just recently. I think she fucked up her foot or something. I saw a picture was really swollen, and then she just lumps sure. the plane with crutches. And sure, stuff. you know, I mean, I'm not one to I uh, I am one to throw stones, but I shouldn't be because I just was looking back through my uh, original logbooks because I'm coming up on my 25 year anniversary in the sport, and my uh-huh. 25th jump, I broke my fucking leg in Paris Valley on a bad landing. And still jumped oh. again that day, knowing my leg was broken. Because I'm an idiot. Yeah, it's fine. You just do an ass landing. Yeah, that's okay. all I could think was the canopy that I shouldn't have jumped in the first place that broke my leg because I shouldn't have been flying it is what I jumped the next jump anyway. I guess just to <laughs> prove to myself that I could do it. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, so sure. I give Olga shit, uh, but she'll listen to this podcast and laugh because I've done some of the same stupid stuff she does. 
Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now, continuing on with your competition, um, have you done a bunch more competitions? Are there a bunch more competitions in your future? You know, what's the plan? Um, I did. I did a lot of more competitions back then. Um, I started getting into like Ping Open, which is probably my favorite competition, and I went to the Worlds and stuff like that. And then I started working up a deal with fluid wings and got to fly faster parachutes and just you know just really started to compete more nice and it's fucking amazing man it's just like you're going out to your family and stuff like that and i love it um i'm not that young crazy dude anymore i well i don't know i don't feel much older i'm 28 now Um, (laughs) you're still young but yeah i guess i am um i do i do try to have as much fun as i can and you know the whole the whole thing about me taking a degree and stuff like that it's just i i could see people when i was traveling with skydiving that i i met people that i didn't want to to be you know what i mean mm. like burned out people where i thought like i could actually i could see myself in that position sure and you know home is denmark and i just wanted to get a stable life and be a fucking weekend cowboy i guess which is i mean Uh, honestly it's kind of commendable you know i mean i fell into the sport and started working in it because it was the only way i could afford to stay in the sport and i did get burnt out at one point you know at one point i walked away going all right fuck i don't know if i can keep doing this but I got lucky because I was able to transition into flying the plane, which was a whole new experience in the same world that I still loved without that burnout. But, yeah. you know, I mean, we've all seen it. People get burned out. It's just too fucking much, man. I mean, the, the lifestyle and the sport and, and the risks involved, it, it really can be quite a lot, you know. So if you don't learn yeah, how sure. to to find your little, you know, niche in it, um you're going to end up walking away from it, which sucks because I don't know any skydivers when they start that don't just love it. For sure. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a couple of through freestyles as well. Uh, I did have a break in uh, 2017 or something um, when I started my degree. Um, but basically, I've just been juggling study and part-time jobs and competition. Meanwhile, I got a part-time job in the tunnel um, when I was studying which was fucking amazing. So now now all the focus is has went into free flying pretty much. But <laughs> well, now I the mean, new new devil has been born. Especially if you've got access to the tunnel, man. Um so you got a job instructing in the tunnel? Yeah. Awesome. Um, and it's only part-time, but it's probably I don't know, two shifts per week or something. It's not that much anymore now. It's a different situation and COVID and I finished my study and I'm looking for a full-time job with the construction and all that. But yeah, I was I was pumping out maybe 20, 30 hours per week or something in, in the tunnel. Oh, nice. And Well, not not flying hours, but I mean, working hours. So that was, that was all right. Well, I'll tell and, you what. I mean, it's uh, teaching in the tunnel. The, and I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The best way to refine your own art is to try and teach someone else because you're forced to try and oh, break down sure. what you do. For sure, man. It's it's insane how difficult it can be. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I started doing canopy courses as well at some point, And I, I'm not associated with anyone. So I just had to you know, 
do it from the beginning hmm. and really just start from what did I think was difficult or how did I handle that when I was a student and all that shit. Sure. And then you really start to break down every bit of bees what you do in the air and all that shit. And it's fucking difficult, man. And it takes a lot of time. And then then you start to think about it when you actually fly yourself and it, it, it I mean, oh, yeah. it's the whole thing with the see one, do one, teach one. And sure. Then, that was it's just become much better. I uh, the first time I really broke that down was when I was teaching a fellow pilot to fly jumpers in a twin otter, um, and oh, yeah. I, you know you're breaking down literally every little move to try and make it easier for them. So I'm sitting in the right seat, uh, basically coaching them not on how to fly a plane or how to fly a jump run, but the intricacies of how to make it easier on him in a twin otter. And at the end of the day, I hop back in the plane to fly a few loads myself, and all of a sudden I was paying attention attention to the shit that had just become second nature. And it was really cool because I'm like, oh, okay, I I really had to think this through to figure out how I'm doing these little things that have become second nature to me. And it was really fun to try and pass that on. For sure. Yeah. And it can be fucking difficult. It's just, (laughs) it's the art of, you know, progressing, uh, processing two years of experience down to one sentence and then the right. goal is to have your students say oh yeah, that makes sense yep yep and not just to, to try and condense it all into one sentence but one sentence that they can understand <laughs> oh yeah because that's and the hard different oh yeah that's always the <laughs> hardest part is you you don't just have to figure out how to condense it you have to then figure out how to put it in a language that they're going to be able to understand easily because everybody processes oh, shit yeah. differently so you become yeah. like this junior psychologist um you know sleuth trying to figure out what's gonna what buttons to push to make this guy figure it out Exactly. And you don't have people sitting on your lap so you can feel all the, all <laughs> right. the small twitches. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's 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 giving though and you you learn a lot from from doing it you do plus it's fun that's that and that boils down why i say tandems became my funnest reason is is exactly that you have to learn to condense and read people uh very quickly and figure out how to make them comfortable and give them the best experience oh yeah yeah which is just fun. So if you ever if you ever daydream about it, I I don't tell people not to get their tandem rating anymore. I used to, but now I say, hey, if it turns out to be something you'd be interested in, then chances are you'd be good at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you never know. So um, how do people find out about where to find you in the tunnel? How do they find out about where the next competition's coming up? How do they find out about where to get a little canopy coaching from you if that's what they're looking for? You can go on Facebook, uh, Timmy Thompson, and the same for Instagram. Uh, I'm keeping my Snapchat to myself, <laughs> motherfuckers. Um, but basically, I, I'm not so active anymore. Um, I think it's basically because there's not much content to create. Sure. And COVID and grown-up life. <sighs> um, but I'm still pushing out some videos once in a while, and it's, it's some fun stuff. Awesome. But Timmy Thompson at Facebook or... Awesome. Well, hopefully uh, COVID goes and fucks off now because I think we're all pretty sick of that. And hopefully- Yeah, uh, fuck COVID. uh, Right? Right? And hopefully 2021 has a lot more cool shit in store. I know that there's a lot of uh, competitions that have been put on the back burner and a lot of people have got plans that they're hoping are going to happen. So uh, hopefully this next year cooperates a lot better because I'm done with this shit too. Me too. Cool. Fingers crossed. Well, Timmy, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. I'm really glad that uh, um, that we got to shoot the shit for a little bit. 
Yeah, you too. It was nice. All right, man. Take care. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Once again, that was Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you, as always, by the greatest magazine in the known universe, Blue Skies Magazine. Head on over to Blue Skies Mag and check it out. Uh, Also brought to you by Pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective, Pussfoot.com. Dot com and Summit Parachute Systems. Jarrett Martin over there doing a badass job building incredible pilot rigs and giving absolutely awesome rigging courses at SummitParachuteSystems.com. Once again, Lunatic Fringe, thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around.